Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cinema's Soft Underbelly. I am your host, Eugene Weaver, and uh, today I'm going to be just kind of wrapping up 2016. This is going to be my last episode of the year, and so I'm going to just keep the episode loose and light, and especially with everything that's been going on lately, uh, 2016 has been a fairly brutal year. So I just wanted to keep things, um, I don't know, on a little bit more of an upbeat note, uh, not focus on all the death and all the horrible election stuff and all that garbage and just close out the year on a good note. I've got a lot of uh, stuff planned for 2017 on this show. Um, a lot of, I, I'm not sure if you dear listeners out there like uh, top 10 uh, best worst type things, but I really like doing them especially because I'm a one-man show, so uh, it sometimes feels like I'm talking with myself. So doing a top 10 makes it a little bit easier, I guess you could say. So uh, anyway, um, so I thought what I, how I would start this particular episode is I want to just go over the very first movie that I watched in 2016 and then the very last movie that I've watched up now, obviously – it is not New Year's yet, and I watch pretty much at least a movie a day. So, um, and this episode will be up same day, which is the 29th of December. So, there is going to be several more movies that I do watch, but uh, because the last movie that I watched, the last uh, two movies actually that I watched were very much in line with this show, that will make a good uh, wrap up for. The year end because I'm not sure how much more underbelly-ish type movies I'm going to watch before the new year. So uh, I just I what I've been doing ever since 2007 is I've been keeping a log of every single movie I watch and TV series as well. So basically, if I watch um, Game of Thrones, I will document one particular season. On occasion, if there is a, a show like Black Mirror, for example, which those are almost like, to me, those are almost mini movies in a series of you know seasons. So I rate those individually, but for the most part, it's individual movies and then series of TV shows. And with movies, obviously, there's documentaries. The whole gamut gets covered. So I've been doing this since 2007, and uh, I have... <laughs> At this point on my computer, I've got, oh boy, is it nearing, um, it's, yeah, looking here, it's, uh, we're getting close to 400 pages of, now these aren't movie reviews, these are just little snippets of what I thought about a movie, so what I do is I'll say that, I'll put down the date that I watched the movie, the title of the movie, what format I watched the movie in, uh, so it would be either DVD, obviously, Blu-ray, uh, way back in the day when I started this, it was also HD DVD, but now it's just H. Uh, now it's uh, Blu-ray, DVD, and then I will also put down HD. And HD signifies that I've watched that streaming pretty much because anymore, I don't know if there's really anything on Netflix or Amazon that is not in HD or at least that I watch. 
most of the stuff that you see on the, those streaming channels are in HD. So that signifies that was on some sort of a streaming service. So anyway, I've been doing this since, uh, since 2007, and I enjoy doing it. Usually it's a couple sentences long. And then the reason I do this is I can go back now, uh, heck, almost 10 years, and see what I watch. And it's really cool when you, like, especially for me, I'm a movie fanatic, so if there's a certain, like a special day, uh, someone's birthday or a holiday or I, whatever it might be, I can like, oh, I wonder what I watched three years ago on that day. And I go back and I'm like, oh, cool. I watched that movie. That's right. And usually it takes me right back to when I saw the movie and what I was doing and where I was at in my life. Uh, so I really enjoy doing this. Sometimes it can be tedious to document all these movies, but it gives me a, especially the movies that, some movies, obviously there's a lot of them that are stinkers, but some movies are kind of like, eh, maybe I might watch that again sometime. So if I go back and see a movie like, oh, you know, I watched that a couple of years ago and that was okay. And I, I made mention of the fact that it was okay. I'm going to give it another whirl. And so I've done that numerous times because of this big list that I've made. Um, but usually at the end of the year, I like to scroll back to the very beginning of the year and just uh, go through the entire list of movies that I've watched. And that's that way I can compile my top 10, top, top 10 best, top 10 worst, and then honorable mentions and stuff like that. Uh, even I might even do something like top 10 Blu-ray releases, which maybe may not be like top 10 movie quality, but the packaging and what is included on the Blu-ray would certainly warrant it in a top 10 type of situation. Grindhouse releasing is a prime example of a studio that even if the movie is not the greatest, usually their packaging and the special features are so good that they would warrant a best of the year for me. So I'm going to do that in January. I'm going to do a bunch of top 10, top 10 worst uh, all that good stuff for the year of 2016. And as as crummy as 2016 has been, and it's been a rough year, there's been some genuinely great cinema to come out. Uh, not just on the home video format, streaming, whatnot, especially with sh a show like this where it, I mainly focus on stuff like that that doesn't get huge theatrical releasing. Um, there has been some great uh, big budget theatrical movies. Rogue One is a prime example. I thought that was fantastic. One of the best of the entire Star Wars canon across the board. Uh, and even movies that didn't really, uh, didn't really grab a huge audience, I thoroughly enjoyed. I thought Star Trek Beyond was fantastic. I thought that the Ghostbusters reboot was great, and it unfortunately kind of fizzled at the box office. Uh, the superhero movies are alive and well. Captain America Civil War... Uh, BVS. There's just been a lot of good cinema out there. There's been some duds, granted, but uh, and especially in the horror realm, there has been a lot of top quality stuff in fantasy, horror, science fiction. Not as much science fiction, I guess. Some science fiction, but uh, mainly horror. There's been some great movies. In fact, it's going to be pretty hard for me to make a top 10 list because I right off the bat, I can immediately think of 10 movies that should be on there. But as I go through my my list that I've been documenting, I know I'm going to find movies that I'm like, oh, I forgot about that. Man, that was a good movie. Um, 
And also, I want to make sure that it did come out in 2016. Uh, some of them, um, some of them, if they've been made like a couple of years back, I probably won't include it. But if they got a release in 2016, fair game, fair game from me. So, anyway, um, uh, let me just get started. Then, like I said, I was going to talk about the very first movie that I watched. This year, and then the uh, the very most recent movie that I actually finished up earlier this morning. So the first movie that I watched in 2016, and this is literally on New Year's Day night. And I remember watching this with my wife, I believe, who did not like this movie. This is very much not uh, her style, but it is mine. I, In fact, I liked it so much that I... Uh, I bought the Blu-ray and watched it again, and I, I and not think I know I liked it even more than I did the first time. And that is uh, Guillermo del Toro's *Crimson Peak*, um, a movie upon a revisit. The first time that I watched it, I was like, "Man, that was gorgeous! That was such a great-looking movie." Uh, I remember thinking it wasn't as horrific as I was hoping it would be, and then I watched it again. And I'm like, you know what? No, this is a great movie. The cinematography, the acting, the story. Uh, I took it more the second time that I watched it. I, I watched it almost more as a, I don't want to compare it to Hammer movies, um, but just a very much more leisurely paced supernatural drama, I guess. And with that, it worked great. Great. Um this did come out uh, Halloween 2015, so obviously that will not be counted as the best of, even though I watched it in 2016. This was a 2015 movie, but having said that, if this would have come out in 2016, it would have most certainly made my top 10 list, I, uh, especially on the second watch. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Watching the Blu-ray of this on, on a big screen is uh, very impressive, very impressive. And I remember reading the reviews, a lot of reviews saying that, oh, that's all it is, is it's, it's pretty, and that's it. No, I, man, I disagree wholeheartedly. I thought that, like I said, the acting was great. The pacing was fine, especially once you know, okay, this is what this movie is like. This is not a, a flat-out horror movie. This is more, more of a drama, suspense, fantasy, whatever. Uh, great movie. So anyway, that was my very, very first movie that I watched in 2016. And then jumping all the way to the 29th. Uh, and I've watched some good stuff this month. A lot of Christmassy movies. And along with Christmas movies, uh, I try to uh, watch a lot of horror Christmas movies. And they're out there. Trust me. I've Black Christmas, uh, the remake especially, and the original. I, I prefer the remake. I'm probably one of one on Earth that does, but I really I love the remake. Uh, Christmas Evil, Silent Night, Deadly Night, of course. Um, a slew of other ones. And on top of that, there's some really great Christmas comedies out there that are more in line with what I like. Bad Santa being one of them. And Harold and Kumar Christmas, I really enjoyed that one. So anyway, uh, that's neither here nor there. That's not what the last thing that I watched was. Oh, and Krampus is another great addition. That's I've watched that three times now. And the third time, actually, I think I like this movie better and better each time I watch it. 
because it's now more of a – I just honestly – at this point, I'm like, this is Gremlins, uh, not a – not the director's uh, trick-or-treat. I was expecting more of a trick-or-treat movie when I watched it the first time. I'm like, ah, oh, there needs to be more of a hard edge to this thing and it's not um, – so anyway, uh, that's that. Uh, okay, so my last movie that I watched, <laughs> I was so, so hoping it was going to be better than it was. and um, But it wasn't. And the reason that I bought this was, um, let me just find this here, there it is, <laughs> 2000, or, uh, 1974. Okay, so the reason that I was expecting big things for this is Grindhouse releasing had this, and Sage Stallone found the movie and loved it, and they released it under their label. I just got done watching I Drink Your Blood, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I'm like, oh, I need to watch more Grindhousey, Grindhouse releasing movies, Massacre Mafia style, and uh, so basically you take The Godfather and. You make it extremely low budget and Italian and not good, at least for me. I was expecting to love this from the company that released it. Everything about it is only 82 minutes long. I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. Duke Mitchell directed this thing and you're like, who's Duke Mitchell? And I'm like, I don't know, some guy that made Massacre Mafia style. And uh, and he also directed Gone with the Pope, which Grindhouse releasing also released, but yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to dive on that one just yet, but he stars in this as well, so there's that. Um, okay, the synopsis of... Uh, it's also known as Like Father, Like Son, but it's the Grindhouse releasing is Massacre Mafia style. Um Mimi Maselli Jr. is the son of a mafia Don who who was exiled back to Sicily. He wants to get back into the family business and transplant it from New York to Hollywood. After the kidnapping for ransom of a West Coast mafia boss, Mimi is back in the life. With the blessing of the local clan, Mimi attempts to take down a Hollywood pimp named Super Snook, or I'm sorry, Super Spook, who turns out to be no easy mark. That's just just vaguely what this movie is about. It is all over the place. The characters come and go and like, what? what is going on in this thing? And just when you're ready to call it quits, a shootout happens that is just awesome and people getting murdered left and right for no reason. And I'm like, okay, I'm back in. And then we go back into a wedding scene, or then we go back into people talking about making a porno in the 70s, and that's where the money is. And then eating Italian food, and then a shooting happens. And then I'm like, okay, here we go. And that's what it is for 82 minutes. Uh, towards the end, I actually started to fast forward. Whenever people were walking or driving, I would just hit the fast forward button because I'm like, I know. I'm missing nothing but padding right now because this movie is padded. And I still didn't quite get it. But eh. anyway, that's the most recent movie. It does fit quite well on uh, The Underbelly. It's very much an underbelly movie. Uh, 
chock full of everything that uh, fits the show. It just for some reason did, didn't do it for me. I can see the draw of this movie and why this movie does have, uh, I'm sure, an audience. It's just it was not really for me. I wish I could have got into the story a little bit more, but it was all over the place. So, and honestly, I'm I'm also going to touch on the movie that I watched right before this because it's another one that I was expecting great things from, and I. Man, I was extremely let down. Uh, surprisingly so. And this director I've already talked about on my own show and Movie Freaks. This is actually one of the last movies that I have not seen from this director. And that is David Cronenberg's Dead Ringers. I picked it up on Scream Factory Blu-ray. Excellent slipcover that comes with it. It's so cool looking. And everything about this movie I made me want to see the movie. It's Jeremy Irons playing twin brother gynecologists that take uh, take advantage of the fact that no one can tell them apart. And then uh, as the movie goes on, their relationship starts to crumble because of a woman, an actress, that is, is kind of in love with one of them. But eh. um, This is a David Cronenberg movie. It has the things that make it David Cronenberg movie one of his. Unfortunately, it is uh, very much in line with uh, Naked Lunch. I did not like Naked Lunch. That was not my type of movie. This one here is pretty much the same. There's some good ideas in there, but at an hour and 56 minutes, this thing is long and slow-paced. For me, uh, a couple of great scenes in it. Jeremy Irons is fantastic. He's a great actor. He's always been a great actor. But honestly, like everybody else in the movie, I didn't much care about or care for, especially the lead actress. Uh, just didn't quite do it. Um, yeah, I was bored. Very bored. I I was tuning out, dozing off, would wake up, have to rewind it a little bit. Like, what did I miss? Oh, okay, nothing. Yeah, this is, again, very... Film is, an art, is a form of art, very subjective. I know this movie is beloved, but I could not get into the movie. And maybe it was because I was thinking it was one thing and it was very much another. This is not a horror movie. This is a drama, maybe thriller. There's a cool dream sequence that I really dug in the movie that I'm like, oh, that's David Cronenberg right there. Uh, and the instruments that these brothers create for their... What they're doing is really cool and very David Cronenberg-y, but it, for me, I needed more than just that to enjoy the movie, and it just didn't do it for me. So, oh well. Oh well. Um, so those are the last two movies that I have watched. Now, uh, along with that, I'm happy to report, I've been watching a, a new TV series, not new, but a new season of this TV sh series, that uh, please, please make a season three of this because this is some of the finest television that you will ever see or at least in the recent years see. And that's Fargo. I watched season one, was it yeah, earlier this year, I believe. A friend of mine let me borrow it, watched it actually with my wife. We, and it was so good that we didn't binge watch it, but we, we plowed through it pretty quick. And it was, it was great. There was a couple of hiccups along the way, but, I'll, but for the most part, this is top quality television. So 
for my Christmas list this year, I had to put on Fargo Season 2, and my wonderful wife bought me Fargo Season 2 with the uh, with basically the agreement that I can't watch this without her. The first one is set present day, I believe, or very close to present day. Fargo Season 2 takes one of the lead characters from the first season, and we go back to 1979, and it's him in his prime as a sheriff in the small town, and it's his story, and it's cool because I watched season one recently enough that I remember his character, and I remember some of the things that he discusses on that particular season, and now we're in back in his prime, and we're seeing some of that stuff unfold, uh, his, with his wife, with uh, a small town murder. It is fantastic. Thus far, it's actually better than season one. And season one had Billy Bob Thornton and Morgan Freeman. Uh, not Morgan Freeman. Um, wow. Uh, drawing a complete blank. Um, Martin Freeman. Sorry about that. Colin Hanks is in it. Uh, anyway, season two has Kirsten Dunst, Patrick Wilson, who Patrick Wilson is so good in this. Ted Danson. Um, it's great. It's, it's so good. Uh, season, uh, season two. So, uh, I don't want to give anything away because this, this show, I actually went in blind both seasons and it has been so incredibly rewarding. And you know what? I gotta say it, it does almost fall in line with, uh, underbelly a little bit. This is a very, very dark show. In fact, I told my wife last night we watched uh, episode four, and I'm like, you know, other than Patrick Wilson's character and Ted Danson's, there's really no one on this show to root for or get behind. But but that's a good thing. That is a very much a positive, um, as it just everybody has a shady secret, and that's the whole point of this show is all those shady secrets somehow come out, and they all awkwardly intertwine with each other somehow because it's a small town and I grew up in a small town. So I know everybody knows everybody else's business and everybody, it seems like everybody's just kind of watching like, Oh, what's that person doing? Oh, that person is, you know, Oh, that person did this and this and this. I live in the city now. Not so much. It's, uh, Oh, it's my neighbor is out. I don't want to see you. So quick, go back inside. It's, it's not the same mentality as a small town where you uh, go to the local barber shop or the local diner and you know everybody. It's not like that, at least where I live. Uh, so anyway, it, it's it's cool seeing how that plays out and seeing how uh, I remember stuff like that and everybody has a secret and everybody wants that gossip. It's all gossipy nonsense, uh, but in a good way for this show. Uh, you throw some mob stuff in here. By the way, the mob stuff in here, this is season two does revolve around small town mob. Um this is good mob versus that massacre mafia style that was not so good. This is very well done and works uh, works quite well. I'm I'm enjoying this very much. I'm curious as to where this is going to go. There was one development in season one that kind of veered a little bit too far for me. I don't want to say anything, but uh, it was a gap of time that happens, and I'm like, what? Uh, I hope they don't do that here. I hope they stick with uh, this incident that happened and everybody that's converging and they just – let's wrap this up all within like a week or so. That would make make it awesome. But we shall see. Um, 
Maybe I'll report back. Actually, I could see myself talking about this on my other show with Eric Munner and Movie Freaks. So anyway, that's kind of what's going on right now. Um, as I wrap this last episode up for the year, uh, you know, not to get more serious, but, you know, like I said in the beginning, 2000, 2016 has been a bit more of a rough year. Um, I will say um, with the passing of Carrie Fisher, um, it is, I don't want to say it's bittersweet even, but the fact that her mom, Debbie Reynolds, passed away a day after her daughter, Carrie Fisher, did. At, it, Carrie Fisher was 60 and Debbie Reynolds was 84. Something about that is very touching, I, I think, is a, is a mom missing, I, I, I don't know the circumstances, but it's just, when that happens, um, it's very touching. And the reason I bring that up is because my grandparents who uh, were married, oh my goodness, um, I want to say, wow, um, I'm thinking like 60-ish years, uh, they died within a week of each other. So I, I, I saw that firsthand where a loved one dies, a someone dies, and then their, their either partner or parent or whatever passes on to. Um, and I just, I had to think that it's because of the heartbreak. And my grandpa passed away suddenly. I mean, we, he was deteriorating, but he passed away. Um, and grandma had been doing, my grandma had been doing pretty good. And literally right after that, it just, things just went completely downhill. And days later she died. It was died of, I don't want to say loneliness, but just died, died because she wanted to be back with her, her love. So I thought that was very, uh, I don't want to say sweet. That just seems wrong. But anyway, uh, Carrie Fisher will certainly be missed. Um, I didn't know a lot of her work outside of star Wars. Uh, she was in, uh, the burbs, which I quite enjoyed. And I really enjoyed the, uh, uh, sorority, what was it called? Sorority house uh, or sorority row where she was the house mother in that. That's a slasher movie. Uh, not only did I quite like that, I almost loved that movie. I thought that was great. Other than the reveal of the killer, that was kind of meh. Everything else about that movie was spot on. I dug that flick a lot and she was really good in it. She had a couple of really funny lines in the movie. So, um, Carrie Fisher will be missed. I really hope, uh, and we, we will see Disney is smart. Uh, very smart. I, I'm sure that all of her scenes were shot for the next Star Wars installment coming out December of 2017. It will be very interesting to see where they go from there with regards to the next one, two years later. Um, they're in a very interesting spot because we don't know. Will, was, she being, was, was she on the slate to be killed off in the next episode? Because there's been talk about, okay, well... The, the the old classics we're gonna we're gonna start knocking them off so that the new ones are it's, then go from there. But I just wonder where they're gonna go from there. Are they gonna what kind of a tribute will they play for her in the next installment? And then how will they go forward? I'm sure that they will do it. Knowing Disney, they will go through it with it gracefully and with tact, and uh, hopefully most people won't get upset with whatever decision they make because there's bound to be people upset with whatever direction they go. Um, so anyway, uh, but 
Star Wars lives on, and her memory will live on for I, for as long as this Earth is here. Uh, Carrie Fisher is Princess Leia, and she will be missed as as well as the slew of celebrities celebrities that left us this year. Uh, let's get on with 2017 and hope for a more upbeat, positive year. Um, I'm not going to mention politics, but. There are some great movies coming out, movies that I'll be talking about on this show, movies that I'll be talking about on Movie Freaks. Uh, so um, more good stuff to come your way. I've got all sorts of Blu-rays that I'd like to talk about that have been stacking up that I've been watching. But uh, in fact, this episode, I really wanted to talk about some of those particular movies, but I wanted to do a year-end closer, outer type of thing, and that's what this is. So bear with me. More Blu-ray reviews, more top 10 lists, all that crazy stuff on the underbelly is heading your way in 2017. So you can get a hold of me, Eugene-Weaver at hotmail.com for all questions, comments, uh, correspondence, whatever. Find me on Facebook. I, I'm on Twitter periodically every now and then, maybe. So I guess come find me there too. Uh, but uh, that's going to do it for my show. Make sure that you tune into Movie Freaks as well because we're wrapping things up for 2016. We've got some goodies in store for you for the next year as well. Um, That's it. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, bye-bye.